0: And Dig Me Out, Tim and Jay review, Emergency and I, by Dismemberment Plan.
1: Overall, I think this is a really, really interesting and fun record.
0: I just don't find it particularly musical.
1: Eric Axelson and, and Joe Easley are a pretty dynamic rhythm section.
0: Uh, it just sounds like a robot singing.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of Dig Me Out. I'm your host, Tim Minnichi, and joining me once again, my co-host, Mr. Jason Ziak-J. It's episode 144 of our podcast, and we are um, wrapping up our new albums of the fall releases, correlating with old albums that we're reviewing. We did um, Girls Against Boys, and Toad the Wet Sprocket, and Monster Magnet, and Mazzy Star, and this is our last one, Jay. Um, it was a good run but uh, next week we'll be back with a, uh, a suggestion of yours actually that uh, I know you're ag- eagerly anticipating our discussion on that record but first we've got to get to uh, this week and we're going to do a band called Dismemberment Plan. Jay, are you familiar with Dismemberment Plan?
0: I am. Sure sure shit am.
1: You sure as shit am. Well, that's good to know. <laughs> <laughs> so I was also familiar with this band. Um, they have a new record coming out called Uncanny Valley. And uh, kind of a shock to people, but it's, uh, it's happening. And so uh, we're going to take a listen to their 1999 album, Emergency and I, their third album. And uh, we're gonna give a listen and uh, give our uh, opinions on this record. Um, I think it's gonna be an interesting discussion, to say the least. If I remember uh, your previous uh, opinions on this on this particular band and album, so but we'll see. <laughs> we'll, we'll see when we get to that part. Let's do uh, let's do some history of the band before we get there.
0: History of the band.
1: So, Dismemberment Plan formed in Washington D.C. in. Uh, Actually on January 1st, 1993 They have an actual date in which they formed the band The original lineup was Eric Axelson on bass Jason Kettle on guitar Travis Morrison on vocals and guitar And Steve Cummings on drums uh, Cummings only lasted for one album And then he was replaced on drums By Joe Easley uh, Their first album which was just called exclamation point came out in uh, 1995 and that was on desoto records their second album the dismemberment plan is terrified came out in 1997 also on desoto records then the band signed to interscope records and here's the this is one of those interesting uh, weird stories of bands that got signed to major labels and what happened to them So they recorded an EP called The Ice of Boston and put that out for Interscope. And then they were recording the record they were reviewing, uh, Emergency and I. And they finished the record, and there was turnover at the label. And they basically got lost in the shuffle and released, and they got to take the record with them. So they went back to DeSoto Records and put out the record. And uh, from there, in 2001, they released the album Change, uh, broke up. Travis Morrison put out some solo albums. um, Notoriously, his uh, first solo record was released in 2004 called Travistan. Pitchfork Records gave the album a zero review out of ten and it caused a big hoopla on the internet at the time uh, because dismemberment Plan* at that time were kind of considered indie rock darlings. And so it was—it was anticipated what was going to happen with Travis Morrison's first record, and uh, so that didn't go well. Uh, Travis Morrison then formed the Travis Morrison's Hellfighters, and he released two additional—or well, released an additional album, uh, "All Y'all" in 2007, and then a single in 2012. But even though Dismemberment Plan had broken up in 2003, the band was not without uh, the occasional get together in 2007. They reformed to play a charity event for Caleb Robbins, who's the son of Jay Robbins, was a benefit. And uh, they got together, played at the uh, Black Knight or Black Cat nightclub in uh, Washington. And then the, soul, the, the show sold out so fast that they actually added a second show. Uh, but at that point, they did not indicate they were actually getting back together permanently. In 2010, the 10th anniversary of. Not the. the yeah, I guess. No, that's not right, because 99. That would be the 11th anniversary of Emergency, and I came out. Barsock Records released it, so they decided to do some shows celebrating that performance, uh, played some more shows, and then 2012, they played a couple more shows and started writing songs, and now we have Uncanny Valley released October 15th, uh, 2013. New album, out. And that's the history of uh, this memberment plan. If you want to suggest an album for us to review, of course, hit us up. Me podcast.com request a review page, request an album for us to review. Oh, one thing I forgot, Jay. This is mightily important. As the band was breaking up, they commissioned their fans to do a remix project. This was kind of interesting. This is sort of the beginning of, you know, 2002, 2000, 2003 of... Uh, not the beginning, but this is just after Napster. So they basically put the raw tracks in digital form for their songs up on their website and allowed people to download them and then create remixes and then submit them back to the band and they made an album out of it called A People's History of the Dismemberment Plan playing mm-hmm. off of the uh, um, A People's History of the United States uh, book if anybody's familiar with that book and then they released it as their remix album so I've, I know that other artists have attempted that I know Nine Nails has put out raw tracks and allowed our fans and to remix and stuff like that. So, But this is, uh, you know, 2002, that's pretty early in terms of bandwidth and being able to download audio tracks. and. Yeah. So, uh, just an, an odd thing that the band had done. And then the other, the other thing I wanted to mention is they were on my one of my favorite tours that I never got to actually go and see the band, but I know people who did. They toured with uh, in 2002 Death Cab for Cutie. And they refer to it as the Death and Dismemberment Tour, which is my favorite uh, tour title of all time. Facebook Feedback. We got one piece of Facebook Feedback, Eric Grubbs. Brilliant record. I can't believe it was recorded for Interscope Records. That's a good point. But uh, maybe that's why they're not, they weren't uh, on Interscope when they released this album. We'll see. We'll, we'll talk about that. So, Jay, Dismemberment Plan. Do you want me to go first on this one or do you want to go first? Because you've been, you've been going first a lot. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. No, that would be a nice break. You, you know, you all Do these it. new releases, you've been going first, and I would be happy to take the the, the, the reins on this one and, and start her out.
0: You set the stage on this one.
1: Okay. So uh, a little bit of my history with this record. Um, I had not heard of the band up until this record in 99. Uh, was introduced to it based on the single, What Do You Want Me To Say? Doug the single. I think CD 101 in Columbus was playing it a bit. And um, I liked it, so picked up the record, had some friends, mutual friends of both of us who were fans of the record, listened to it a lot, and um, picked up Change after that. I liked Change quite a bit. It was a good record, not as, I guess you'd say, energetic. It was a little bit more subdued than this record. And then I went back and listened to the early records, which I honestly don't care for very much. I don't think the songwriting is up to par with uh, what's going on on this record or a change and I heard the Travis Morrison solo album and was completely turned off did not like that at all so I haven't heard the new record I am interested but this record sat for a while I had not listened to this in probably all the way through probably I don't know a decade I listened to it a lot uh, back in you know 99, 2000, 2001 those couple of years haven't picked it up much recently So going back to it, it was really interesting to find all the nooks and crannies that I really, really liked about this record, and then discover some things that were, I guess, cracks in the veneer. Um, But overall, I'll just give my overall up front. Overall, I think this is a really, really interesting and fun record. The interplay between the band is incredible. They're amazingly tight musicians. They're able to move from straight 4-4 beats to these weird mixed meter you know, throwing in a 5-4 or a 7-8 anywhere they want. They're able to do that with Travis Morrison maintaining these oddly catchy vocal melodies that I think draw equal inspiration from Frank Black of the Pixies and um, Steve Malcolmus of uh, Pavement. There's definitely a lot of indie rock royalty being sort of squished into one band and then you have this weird math rock angle that's going on with a lot of these songs combined with attempts successfully or unsuccessfully at like groove. I'm thinking of um, songs like the city and back and forth that have I know Eric Axelson and, and Joe Easley are a pretty dynamic rhythm section. The bass lines and the and the and the drum parts are working on a different level than most bands especially the bass playing. The bass playing is melodic and aggressive in terms of he's not just playing the bass notes of the guitar chords, which a lot of bands did at the time. He is, you know, putting the focus on what he's doing in terms of counter melodies to Morrison's vocal parts. It's a really fascinating record. The misses for me are the slower songs when, uh, like, the jitters. I don't particularly care for that record, but when they are in that, like, mid-tempo-ish groove of like memory machine and uh i mentioned what do you want me to say i really like that song i think his lyrics are funny without being jokey um i was just playing this for my wife in the car the other day and i said you know one of the lyrics i love in this record is at the beginning of what do you want me to say is uh he says um, i lost my membership card to the human race so don't forget the face i know i belong here
0: I lost my membership card to the human race, so don't forget the face, cause I know that I do belong
1: here. Go down the checklist, let's see if feelings are good, dishonesty is bad, keeping inside is worse still. You want a problem, well I guess we got one now, I really don't know how. it doesn't really mean anything it's just funny and you are invited Uh, a simple song with just sort of a casio keyboard beat you know some additions along the way and then it bursts into this big rock anthem again he's he's playing his word choices are funny he's got a lot of you know lines um i wouldn't be surprised if he did some writing in his spare time there's just, it's a lot to digest, and on the flip side, I know that this probably does not work for everybody, because um, they're kind of spastic, they're all over the place, in terms of, they can get really loud and aggressive, Um, thinking of songs like, um, I Love a Magician, which sounds like a straight-up Pixies rip from uh, Surfer Rosa, or uh, Doolittle, and then, Uh, like Gyroscope or or Girl O'Clock. There's just a a lot of craziness that goes on. And then there's Spiders in the Snow, which is a much more delicate song and more relaxed. So like I said, overall, this works really well for me. Um, I think it sounds good. I think the parts that go in in the wrong hands, this would be a disaster of a record. But I think it's, uh, minus a song or two, I think it's a brilliant record so jay i'm waiting with bated breath to hear what you have to say about this (laughs) album
0: well uh i think you already set me up in terms of at least history historically my point of view on this has probably been the opposite of that um so it was interesting to go back to it and listen to it now um with some time it's probably been close to 10 years since i really heard any of this stuff Mm -hmm. i think my point of view hasn't changed a ton i think I can articulate a little bit better what I like and don't like about, about the band um, now that I could then. I agree that the the rhythm section is, is the strongest part of the record. I think the drum and bass parts are they try different things. Um, they play with timing. Uh, bass wise, they use some different tones. Um, sometimes they use keyboard for bass or use a bass tone that's very keyboard like. Um, so I think there's a lot of um, there's a lot of strength there and a lot to build on. Um, my problem usually with most of the record when i have an issue is is with the vocals and with the guitar playing um you know the, the i think track one a life possibilities is is probably the best mix for me of all the different elements this band has so there's a cool bass sound it's kind of like it's almost like sounds like a, a synth mm-hmm. um interesting vocal tone really interesting melodies um they go in different places you don't expect but not so far that it kind of becomes uh, non-musical I guess for lack of a better term you know the use of guitars in that song are really tasteful he's really restrained he kind of sits back and um, he doesn't play sometimes and then he comes in with really nice um, melodic parts and accents and um, he uses a clean tone a lot which is really cool you did that. And then just uh, there's a cool dynamic that you know they go into this this different bridge it's a little bit quieter and then they come out of that into a you know a bigger ending so there's all the elements that i think this band has they kind of all put it in that one that first song Um, i would say the closest they get to that again is maybe gyroscope um, in terms of the all those elements coming together in a different way my problem is is that you know, I, I like Memory Machine, you know, it introduces the keyboard, which is cool. Um, it has a little bit of the progressive stuff going on in it, both melodically and from a rhythm standpoint. There's some weird, like, tonal guitar things, like using octave effects and stuff. But So it starts to open the door, you know, as you progress through the record of, of you know, what they're capable of. Um, I think when you get the track three is when, for me one of the elements of the band that's kind of annoying kicks in so you know the verse of that song um you've got it, it, this annoying guitar part that's just playing the same thing over and over again which it's the kind of thing where when you first hear it it's it's cool but after about a minute of it um you start to get really annoyed and then and then vocally he he does this thing I mean I guess it's unique um in terms of the melody he uses but I just don't find it particularly musical. I mean, it's almost, it's almost a there's a couple times on this record, two or three times, where he uses melodies for the whole verse that, that you frankly could sing anything. They, they don't rhyme, they don't really have any, I don't know. They're just like, insert any word you want. So maybe lyrically, there's some stuff going on there. I'll leave that to you to, 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 to talk about what you kind of did, but, but it just sounds like a robot singing. And uh, it's saved by the chorus, obviously, in that song, which is a great chorus. Mm-hmm. um i think i could take it a little bit more if those verses were shorter and the song was a little bit shorter but uh it's not as it is and i don't know i just can't get through those verses fast enough um and then the record enters this, this area where they start to really explore different different things uh spider in the snow you know vocally i think he sounds sometimes it feels like i'm listening to a paul simon like graceland record or something <laughs> like kind of the spoken pitter patter beat poet thing there's like jazz bass lines thrown in spoken sound spoken vocals styles um the jitters they get really slow again the melody he could be singing anything it's sort of like he's just making things up as he goes along almost to the point i think in that song the melody gets like just overly odd to the point where. it just sounds like they're, especially when you get to chorus, like some of the notes in there they play, it reminded me a little bit of like Shudder to the Think, but
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Shudder to the Think, I don't know, there was just something about the way that they did it seemed a little bit crazy, but very much in control of what they were doing and why. And I don't know that when they try to do that, it just sounds like them trying too hard. You know, I I love a uh, magician. That sounds like to me, that sounds like a song where they were like, "Well, we play with a lot of DC punk bands. We need to write a song so that we can, pl- you know, play gigs with them." Uh, I don't, I'm not quite sure whether where that song fits in. Um,
1: well, like I said, I think that's uh, that's Pixies. <laughs> so much like early to mid pixies that's where i think they're coming from with that record with that song
0: you were invited is a lot like uh what you want me to say in terms of again the verse is like oh boy we can't get through this fast enough um and then the chorus is great um that song came on we even mentioned um talking to your wife about this record that song came on in the car and it was on for like 10 seconds. And Courtney was like, this is the worst song I've ever heard. <laughs> it's like, sorry. I, I put serious on him. I was like, uh.
1: Come on. I'll, that's not the I'll, worst. I'll visit this later. It's What's a story song. I mean, it's you have to get through the song. It's the story. He's telling a story.
0: But the The robot vocal in the, in the verse is just like painful. And then Gyroscope I like. But then the whole end of the record, it gets really experimental. Especially those last three tracks where they're just... They're doing all kinds of stuff. I just don't have any appetite for. You know, a lot of funk stuff, a lot of. I don't know. Just they they get a little like Girl O'Clock is like kind of a freak out thing. And he sings the whole thing in this weird, like cracked voice. And um, I like the city. That's kind of cool. I I don't mind when they get into, um, you know, kind of almost like an electronic. Sound with how the bass, uh, the bass sounds, and how the drums are approached. I, I kind of like that, especially if they get kind of atmospheric with introducing keyboards and stuff. But uh, I, 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 I don't, the last three songs on this record, are, I can't. Especially like "Girl Girl Clock," I cannot skip fast past that song fast. Enough.
1: That is, he's doing a stutter just like Roger Daltrey in my oh. generation. <laughs> no,
0: no, no, no. <laughs> no, that's, that's just, all. That is,
1: you know, it's just annoying. I really like the the when they do those groove songs with the city and back and forth. Um, I imagine I never got to see them live, but I imagine those are great live songs to you know nod your head to or or do whatever you want to do with your whatever people do with their bodies when when a song comes on. It's uh, nice to um, move rhythmically with.
0: I sound like a, a Martian describing dancing.
1: <laughs> that's what I yeah. that's essentially what it is. When you move your body rhythmically with the music being pres- played in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, those are two songs that I always go back to uh, because they They find the right groove and they stick it perfectly so that you can just sort of hypnotically stay with that song. And yeah, I'm not always in the mood for girl o'clock or eight and a half minutes because of their, I don't even know, I, yeah, you know, DC or post-punk sounds. But if I am in the mood for them, I think they're awesome. It's just a a mood thing, Uh, but I appreciate the fact that they're there, and they're both under three minutes, so they're not particularly, you know, long songs, so it's not like it's a seven and a half minute long exploration with a jazz breakdown or anything like that. I mean, they... (laughs) they, Thank God. Right. I mean, overall, this is a, you know, this is barely 45 minutes, this record for 12 songs, so it's a pretty compact album overall. They only really hit. They hit the five-minute mark on the last song.
0: Who produced this record?
1: That is a great question, and I will tell you that in approximately five seconds.
0: It's, I mean, the sound of the record is is. Um,
1: excellent. it's actually produced by Jay Robbins. Okay, that's along with a, a gentleman named uh, Chad Clark.
0: Yeah, it's very. Um, I mean, it's beautiful from a production standpoint. I mean, everything sounds fantastic, um, and it still sounds you know, great now, time has not affected this record in any,
1: uh-huh.
0: in any aspect, I mean the tones are great um, it's really cool how they mix the, the keyboard when it comes in um, they'll pan it hard a lot of times which is this really cool spatial thing uh-huh. happens um, and everything, it, it's just a perfect mix of, um, you can pull out every single instrument in it but it all merges together when it needs to into a you know, cohesive sound so, from a production standpoint, it's, it's stellar. Especially because they don't use a lot of distortion. You know what I mean? They'll, they'll use some overdrive here and there mm-hmm. when they when a course needs to get, some of the courses need to get big, but uh, it still has a little bit of grit to it somehow. I'm not quite sure um, how exactly they're pulling that off, because a lot of the times it, it, has a, it has it, but it's either coming from, like, a little bit of the bass tone or the way the the keyboards mixed in, and you know it's not just turning the distortion on the guitars, which is kind of a cool. If you can pull that off, you know what you're doing.
1: So I mentioned that uh, Travis Morrison's solo album got a zero. On the flip side, from Pitchfork Media, on the flip side, Pitchfork gave this a 9.6 out of 10 across the board. This is a five star all music, four and a half star consequence of sound, five star Pop Matters, 10 out of 10, uh, Rolling Stone four out of five This hit, I think for me, and I think for a lot of people, at a very interesting time because I was just graduated from college, I was in my 20s, and a lot of this record, you're talking about lyrics, is lyrically about uncertainty and doubt and confusion about growing older and what you're supposed to be doing and the confusion of transforming or or, or making that uh, transformation from teenage semi-responsibility and college semi-responsibility into actual adulthood responsibility the thing i like about you're invited is that um it turns the simple act of you know going to a party or going to a bar into a much more complicated thing which is what happens when you get out of college in college you just go to a bar go to a party or whatever and that's that uh, all of a sudden, when you're out of college, then you have like there's politics involved. Who's going to be there? Is my ex going to be there? You know, you have histories with people now. Once once you're a little bit older, and um, you know, getting into places that you couldn't get into before uh, can matter to certain people. And there's just this album is just riddled with uh, just it's not you know an angsty emoish whine. It's a much more introspective like why am you know what's the what's the path that i'm going to choose do i even do i even have enough knowledge do i even understand what the path is um is this all you know am i kind of fooling myself and thinking i'm even knowing what i'm doing by making a choice um, there's just a lot of uh, things that i think someone like myself like a lot of people who were in their 20s and identified with this record when it came out um really gravitated towards and you know, I'm in my late 30s now, so going back and listening to it, um, it definitely, you know, makes you think back to that time, and uh, it's, you know, wouldn't necessarily connect maybe the same way, but. Yeah,
0: I mean, I think that, lyrically, I'll say, you know, taking it as you described it, it's a little bit, I guess, one of my co-workers would call that navel gazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just sort of like being deep and introspective and overly considered about a bunch of things that at the end of the day mean nothing. It's just like, you know, life's about making decisions and moving forward. And, you know, it seems like it's a lot of sitting around and considering, like, overly considering things and being self-critical and just, like, I don't know, tedious and boring at some point. But, I, I mean, I get it. I get it at that time period that probably, I obviously connected with a lot of people. And I'm not contesting a lot of the reviews. I mean, I think at the time it came out, um and even now, I mean, it's a unique sounding band, you know. I don't. Yes, there's some comparisons you could throw in there, and I think you brought up a lot of good ones. But for the most part, you know, there's not there's not a whole lot of bands that you could put them um, alongside where they're you know, which you could make a one-to-one comparison, you
1: know, oh, okay. with. Um,
0: well, I, I think... just think that sometimes it goes a little bit overboard, and I think. I've never heard the Travis Morrison solo stuff, but I can tell from listening to this record that he's the kind of guy that this band saves him from himself. Like, the strength of this rhythm section and musicianship and probably them pushing back on his overindulgent tendencies to do weird things, probably... His solo record is probably full of that. It would be like if Michael Stipe did a solo record, you know? Right. It would be insufferable. It would just be like, (laughs) oh my God, Peter fuck please show up and get this guy like get in a equal some of this out you know kind of thing
1: right and i I think that there are plenty of bands that you can draw comparisons to you know i I mentioned as influences pixies and and pavement um i I think there's some jawbox influence into this some gang of four with with regards to the lyrical explorations i guess you'd say um uh, you know bands like Talking Heads or the or XTC, uh, they remind me of. Uh, but in, then, in terms of like their contemporaries and bands going forward, uh, in terms of being able to combine melody but with sort of spastic uh, exp- explorations from here and there, I, I was thinking of like At the Drive-In. Actually, they're not that far off. They're sort of like the mm-hmm. fun kid brother of At the Drive-In um or a, or a modest mouse let's say a less dreary modest mouse mm-hmm. uh, or even what you know some of the you know dancier stuff that they're attempting bands like uh they reminded me of bands like the rapture who were around uh in the early to mid 2000s and then at times even like ted leo or mm. uh there's some some aspects uh, to them less so on this record than on the next record change which i mentioned is a much it's a bit more mature it's a bit more settled there's not as much spastic freaking out
0: (laughs) you know what's funny way put it that way
1: yeah well you know that definitely happened with you mentioned like girl clock eight and a half minutes um i love a musician uh gyroscope you know, those are aggressive, loud songs that are more in like the vein of, like I don't know, Trail of Dead or something like that. Uh, whereas the next record, they sort of embrace maturity, I would say. And I think that that's what this record ultimately sounds like. It sounds like a band that is exploring what they can do and pushing the limits, and then they reined it in on the next record. And while it's a fine record, it doesn't, it doesn't give me that energy that this record does. It doesn't, it doesn't show me that like we can do anything we put our minds to and kind of pull it off. Or at least that's my opinion of it. And, uh, that's that? that interesting. Cause you mentioned uh shutter to think I hadn't thought about them, but there is a, a definite like shutter to think sound going on with, uh, a lot of this. Um, I don't hear, you know, when you mentioned DC bands, I don't hear, you know, the fugazi as much, or I guess Shiner was on DeSoto but they're not really a DC band because they're from Kansas City Yeah, um, I don't really hear a Shiner uh, sound Shiner to me is much more of a muscular you know failure type of band not really playing in the same sandbox as Dismemberment uh, Plan is no it was
0: more of like oh we need to there was a couple songs in here where was like, oh, we need to do something that's loud and fast and more in your face so that we can, you know, play with bands or more like that.
1: I don't know if it's necessarily that they felt like they needed to or just like, hey, I, I, I'm doing this and it sounds cool. Let's build off of that.
0: Yeah, you know? I'm totally projecting. But it just, it comes off to me, like, potentially, like, that's kind of what they were, you know. We know being, a, being in a band, you do that sometimes. Right, Not honestly. Like, hey, let's write a song like so-and-so. But you just... You get inspired by certain things and you end up you know, right. sort of doing stuff to, that fits the types of bands that you see all the time and play with all the time.
1: In, in knowing what I know about their, their two previous records, to me it sounds like the, the louder and more, I guess you'd say, um, experimental stuff was probably what they started the record with mm. and then with like maybe older songs. And then as they were growing and, and getting more adventurous, they were probably doing the more groove-oriented, the more slower more pop stuff because they'd come from more of a punk background Um, i did want to mention that so this was recorded in water music studios in hoboken new jersey chad clark who was the co-producer of this record along with jay robbins um, had quite a bit of influence Uh, originally what do you want me to say was going to have turntable scratchings on it oh boy And, and chad clark said no He also wanted to kick off. He wanted, he did not want You Are Invited to be on the record. And the band uh, overturned his, you know, or not, just didn't listen to him. Obviously, they made the final decision. So he had some different opinions on, uh, he was going to put real strings on Spider in the Snow. And Travis Morrison said, no, let's just use a keyboard. Yeah. So, there's a
0: turntable scratching. What in the world?
1: Well, I, I can I can understand that because when they get to that loud part after the chorus, where the band's like sort of crashing all together and he's like yelping, yeah, I could that, hear like, where they would throw r- that in.
0: I know, but like, I I I think this record, despite my you know not my lack of enthusiasm for some of the material, this record is pretty timeless sounding.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Boy, you put turntable scratching on it, and who not so much.
1: And those are the decisions <laughs> that make or break records. The decision to leave the turntable scratching off that song yeah. probably saved that from being a, you know, time-stamped joke to yeah. a more timeless sound. So you never know when you're in the studio what's going to make the difference. Yeah, clearly that did. So let's get to your overall rating, Jay. Uh, Where the album better EP, decent single.
0: I'm at EP. I could take uh first three tracks, um You are invited and gyroscope and I'm good. Five songs.
1: Well, okay then. Well I'm going like I said, I think this is a pretty damn brilliant record. Minus maybe one or two songs. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the jitters. Just not. It's it's a little too uh pavementy for me and I'm not a big pavement fan. So and you mentioned those weird chords during the verse during the choruses don't necessarily They're very deliberate, let's put it that way. So I'm not a big fan of that, but I would say there are 10 to 11 really, really fantastic songs on this record. So, agree or disagree with us, please let us know. Stop by our various social media outlets and um, give us some feedback. Also, uh, hit us up at the iTunes store. Leave us some uh, positive words there. Gives a couple stars more than a couple actually like four five ten whatever they allow you uh that'd be awesome too and uh like i said next week jay will be back with a pick of his own we're done with the fall new release uh schedule so uh jay you excited about that
0: yeah let's do it let's, all right uh, let's wrap this year up
1: and we'll wrap it up uh very soon only got uh, like 11, 10, nine episodes left for the year. So something like that. And you can still get your picks in. So if you want to make a pick, digmeoutpodcast.com. That's where you uh, hit our request review page. And uh, for Jay, I'm Tim. And that's another episode. We'll be back next week with a new episode of Dig Me Out.
0: Join the conversation about this episode at digmeoutpodcast.com, where you can find links to our Facebook page and Twitter feed, as well as links to our request a review and merchandise pages. And no space, and no schedule, and no place. And they pass right through us without
1: a grace. And sometimes I need to drift to my car on a spring night with anything is possible and I close my
0: eyes and I nod my head.